Thanks for checking out our Legacy Church podcast. We know you will be blessed and encouraged by today's message. Now, here's Pastor Ron. So we'll begin today in Genesis chapter 50. If you have your Bibles, we'll turn to 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and he pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. And when their message came to him, Joseph wept. And his brothers then came and they threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I am in the place of God. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke to them kindly. Today, I want to talk about dealing with change. For sure, we are in a time of great change. But change not only happens on the magnitude that we're experiencing today, but it happens every day in our lives. We encounter change constantly in our lives. And your perspective on change, how you deal with change, will impact your life and determine your destiny. I call this message, It's Up to You. I'm not calling it the power of change because I want to to help us to understand that change will come, but it's up to us how we deal with it. God has given us free choice to determine how we will deal with the changes that come into our lives. See, change can be the greatest test of your faith. It can be a test of you trusting in God. And it is also a time, many times, where change brings great promotion. I know that many of us don't like change, including me. Some simple things like, you know, you're looking for your your phone charger and it's always in the same place in the house. And when you go there, it's not there. I don't know about you, but that bothers me. Or you're driving down a highway and, and the exit you're supposed to take, it says detour. And you're trying to find the detour and they haven't put enough signs for you to find the detour. That change bothers me. I don't know if it bothers you, but little things like that can get under your skin. But I want to say this, and this is such an important point that is worth remembering or writing down. Change disrupts the normal. Why don't we like change? Change disrupts the normal. But if you want promotion in your life, if you want change, positive change to come into your life, the normal won't be good enough. You need change to experience promotion. See, if you want a better job, you might need to change your job. If you want a better home, you might need, or a place to live, you might need to change your neighborhood. If you want a different life, you're tired of life the way it's been, you might have to change the way you're living life. I know, I can just hear it through the airwaves that, that women are saying, 
you don't know change until you get pregnant. Well, obviously, I've never experienced that, but uh, I do have three kids, and I've seen what pregnancy can do to a woman, and I've seen the metamorphosis that would take place in my wife, and starting from the hormonal changes, and we won't go there, but I saw the metamorphosis in her body. But honestly, if a woman doesn't change, if during a pregnancy there's no change, we would see that as a bad thing. So why do we see change as not a good thing, but many times we see it as a negative? And I really believe, bottom line, is because in life, we tend to see things through a grid of our own perspective rather than God's perspective. So I, I chose to read the passage about Joseph because Joseph is a great display or a great example of a man at the age of 17 who started going through tragic change in his life. One change after another, after another, after another. We know that Joseph had a dream and, uh, and God came to him in his dream and in his dream he saw his brothers bowing down and almost worshiping him. And he made the tragic mistake to tell his brothers this dream, that they were bowing down to him. And his brothers, because of that, got jealous. And we know the story goes on where his brothers decide they're going to kill him. And so I'm sure that, that it wasn't just Joseph telling him a dream. He probably was very prideful about it. And they probably got so aggravated and so jealous. They said, we need to get rid of this guy. And so they ended up trying to kill him, throwing him in a well. But what ended up happening was they ended up selling him into slavery. And we know that, that, that he, that Joseph ultimately was taken away from his family, away from his life, talking about change. And he was brought by slave traders to Egypt. And in Egypt, he was sold to a man named Potiphar, who was a minister of the Pharaoh. And, and we, we read the story of how part of his wife had tried to seduce Joseph and, uh, and he escaped her grip. He, he refused to be seduced because he had a promise that God had given. He had perspective that was different than earthly perspective. But because of that, he was imprisoned and they probably charged him for attempted rape or whatever they called it that day. So although Joseph experienced one tragedy after another, after another, after another, huge changes in his life, Joseph's story does not end in tragedy. Joseph's story ends in triumph and victory. And when we continue reading the story of Joseph's life, we find that Joseph ends up being second in command to Pharaoh. He's used by God to save the world, the known world at that time. When there was a great famine, the Lord had given Joseph great wisdom to, to hold on to the grains of the world at that time and, and to store the grains so that they would not, they would survive through famine. And we see that Joseph's brother, brothers and his family were so desperate that they took the risk of going to Egypt and asking and begging, really, for food. And when Joseph heard that his brothers were coming to him, at first he disguised himself. And when he 
and he was weeping. He, he, he was weeping that he was seeing his brothers again. And can you imagine uh, what he was feeling, thinking of his brother's betrayals of him and, and everything that happened in his life and how he was in prison, all the changes that he went through that were so hurtful. But he thought of these things and he says he ultimately ends up showing himself to his brothers, making himself known to his brothers. And obviously his brothers thought that, that he would he would have them killed. But he says this, you intended to harm me. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish. And that's Genesis 50 verse 20. See, when we experience hurtful change, when we experience loss, we can lose a job or lose a loved one or going through difficult situations in marriage and and maybe uh, experiencing uh, childhood traumas that, that would come and visit you and, and you, and you go through all these changes in your life and fears that try to grip your mind. We need to remember what Joseph said, but God, but God, but God intended it for good to accomplish. See, every change that comes into our lives, we have a father in heaven. We have a God who is thinking, who's with you, who cares about you. He understands the hurtful times that come, the changes that come, times of fear, times of confusion. But God, what are you going to accomplish? But God, what are you doing? Because I know you're good. What do you want to do in this time of change? I think of when I was a young man, 24 years old, and and we had just gotten married, and let me just take it back a little bit. Before we we were getting married, I was told in my job, I was working at a bank at that time, that I had a promotion. And I was so excited because I was going to be making more money. It was a perfect timing because I was getting married. I needed the money. We didn't have any money. And I was thinking, great, you know, I'm going to come back from my honeymoon. I'm going to take my new job position. I'll have extra money so I can support, you know, my wife and I and, uh, and all the new expenses of being married. But when I got back from my honeymoon, my boss called me in his office and he says, I have some bad news for you. Our bank has been bought. And because our bank has been bought, all the jobs have been frozen. And the job that you are going to go into is no longer available. And so that's how I started my marriage. That's how I started my life with my wife. But God, but God, but God, I had enough faith in me. I had enough truth from his word in me. I had enough encouragement from the church and and people who cared about us and brothers and sisters in Christ to say to myself, but God, but God, I know that you still have a plan. I know you still can take care of us. But God, I know you are good. And God wants us to, to, to know within the deepest part of parts of us, when change comes, there's usually promotion that comes with it. And, and what ended up happening was I ended up getting a better job, a better place to work in, great people to work for, and God had provided, but God, God is always working. 
I want to give us three things. And you can write these down if you're taking notes today. Three things to do. What do I do when I'm in a time of change? When I'm in a time that's not comfortable? When change is putting fear on me and I'm worried and concerned, what do I do? I want to give you three things to do. You can use these in your life that will make a huge difference in the way you go through change. Remember, change brings promotion when you are in Christ. Number one, hold on to God's promises and not bitterness. Hold on to God's promises and not bitterness. Joseph held on to the promises. He held on to the dream that God had given him. He didn't allow bitterness and his emotions and feelings and the torment even. Imagine being locked up in prison and having all that time to think. He did not allow that to rule him. See, don't let loss. See, many times in change is loss. You're losing something. You'd be losing a job. You can be losing, maybe losing someone you love. Don't let loss be your boss. Don't let loss rule you. Let God rule you. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4, For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against all your enemies to give you victory. That's my promise. That's what I'm holding on to. And Philippians 4.19, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. That's my promise. That's what I'm holding on to. I'm not letting my feelings rule me. I'm not letting my emotions rule me. I'm not letting the enemy speak thoughts that would try to take over the promises of God. I'm letting the word of God rule me. If it takes writing it on your hand, right, putting it up in your every aspect of your house, in your refrigerator, in your bedroom, in your bathroom, wherever you need the, to be reminded, put the word of God, grab hold of the promise, speak it over yourself, speak it over yourself. And what's interesting about Joseph is in prison, He continued to serve. He continued to use his godly gifts for God. Don't allow apathy. Don't allow depression. Don't allow confusion to rule you. Continue to serve God. Be busy about your father's business. See, Joseph didn't allow his situations to rule him. He continued to be a man of God, even in prison. See, the devil wants you to get bitter. He wants you to get angry. He wants you to stop blaming. When things aren't happening the way you expect and and change is coming to your life that you're not too pleased with, you start getting uncomfortable. He wants you to get bitter. He wants you to hold on to bitterness rather than God's promises. He wants you to withdraw, isolate from church, isolate from believers, isolate from people that will, will remind you of God's promises. See, the flesh would say, oh, you know, I know I've heard that a million times. Well, that's the devil speaking. You need to say, wait a second, I'm going to hold on to God's promises. I'm not going to let isolation, bitterness, separation from church, from believers, from God. I'm not going to allow myself to be deceived. I'm going to allow God to be in control. In Psalm 46, 
says, so do not fear for I am with you. We have all these promises, all these assurances. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult, I will trust in the Lord. The second thing is don't compromise your integrity. What I love about the story of Joseph is part of his wife was after him. She was seducing him. And you think through everything that he went through, all the abandonment, the rejection, being put in prison, everything he experienced, he would just say, to heck with God, forget his promises, I don't believe in them. Those days are gone, but he refused to be seduced. He refused to bow to the enemy's tactics. See, don't lose your soul in a time of change. Don't lose your very soul in a time of change. You need to know promotion is coming. You need to be assured in your spirit. You need to speak over yourself. Promotion is coming. The Bible says in Romans 13, 14, but put on, I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't put on fear. I don't put on anger. I don't put on depression. I don't put on bitterness. I put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. You know, there's another story in the Bible about a man named Esau who sold his birthright, which is the right to his father's inheritance for generations to come. He would have an inheritance for his children, his children's children. But he sold his birthright, the Bible says, for a bowl of stew. Some people say lentils. He sold his inheritance. What was just for him and his family, he sold it for a bowl of stew, a temporary pleasure. He made a permanent decision over a temporary situation. Was Esau that hungry, really? That he would sell all the wealth that his father would be giving him for a bowl of stew? I don't think so. I think Esau was just plain stupid. He made stupid decisions. And I was thinking about Esau and saying, how can anyone make such a dumb decision to sell his birthright to his brother for a bowl of porridge or stew or lentils? And I believe this happens when we are under pressure or we're under change or we're, we're not comfortable in the place we're in and, or, or things of life just aren't happening the way you think they should happen. So we just throw God out the window. We throw his promises out the window. We throw faith out the window. We throw living by his principles out the window. And I don't know what was going on in Esau's life at the time, but surely something was going on that he would make such a terrible decision to sell his birthright for a bowl of stew. See, when we read the Bible, we should be 
saying, Abraham, Isaac, and Esau are the fathers of, of our faith. But Esau forsook his place, his promise, and he gave it over to Jacob. We have to be careful what we do, our perspective, when difficulty and change comes into our lives. You know, I want to say this and just kind of really be real with us because, you know, the Word of God wants to help us with our daily lives. Sometimes the devil will come in and will get people to cheat on their wives, to cheat on their husbands, to cheat on their children for a temporary fix, a temporary satisfaction. You know, they might be going through struggles and going through change and, and, uh, and the enemy comes and, and, and makes us make such bad decisions that affect us from generation to generation. Or he'll come to if you're single and, and he wants you to cheat on your purity, cheat on your dignity, your nobility, to cheat on your future spouse who God promises, who gives us the desires of our heart for a temporary thrill. See, is it worth it? What Esau did, was it worth it? The cheat on our giving to the Lord and, and, and our faithfulness to God and, and miss out many times on the blessing that he has for us, the promises that he has for us for something that's temporary. I pray today that we re- would realize, all of us would realize that when we go through change, there's promotion coming. There's good things coming. There's blessing coming. Just like God blessed Joseph, second in command of all of Egypt, because he overcame the challenges that come when change comes into our lives. And last, I want to give you the third thing that you are to do, or we are to do, when we're faced with change. Sometimes you just have to wait on the Lord. In Lamentations, it says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. You know, we, we, we sing the song Waymaker. What a great worship song that is. One of my favorites. And, uh, and we, we declare as we're singing that song that even when I don't see it, God is working. Even when I don't feel it, God is working. God never stops working. He's always working on my behalf. You know, I, I just thought, of some people that I know personally who just waited on the Lord for their spouse. You know, they waited. They waited many, many years, but they just trusted in God. They had a promise in their heart and they didn't want to compromise. They waited on the Lord. And I think of quite a few people who who waited for their spouse. And I look at their lives and I say, oh my goodness, God is so amazing. He's so good. He gave this person the perfect person that they could have never gotten on their own, but they waited on the Lord. Well, I pray today that that this word encourages us in times of change. And I want to speak to you. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that He sends us when we receive into our lives that helps us to fulfill 
the good things that He has for us, that helps us to change, that breaks the power of sin off of us, that breaks addictions off of us, that breaks fear, that breaks loneliness and living a life of meaninglessness with no purpose and, and to gain eternal life where we know for sure that when we leave this earth, we will be with the Lord in heaven. God gives us that promise for those who accept Jesus into their lives. So if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, I want to give you the opportunity because today your life can change eternally. And not only eternally, that Jesus wants to be with you now in this earth and fulfill his calling for your life. So I've asked everyone to just, let's all bow our heads wherever we're at and let's just pray this prayer together and ask God to come and touch our lives. Just repeat after me, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins, Lord. I'm sorry if I've hurt you, if I've hurt others, I've hurt myself. I ask you to give me the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. And I renounce every spirit of darkness in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask you to write my name in the book of life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with family and friends. It helps so much. For more content from Legacy and to connect with us, go to LegacyChurchRI.com. The best is yet to come. Come.